Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And as always, I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. Now, I hope you've been enjoying these episodes. It's been really fun to do this for me and kind of build each one on top of the last. So today's episode is going to be on step three of our sales process, which is advise a solution. But before we get there, I want to recap just a little bit to where we've been. Step one of our sales process two episodes ago was greeting. How do we greet a customer to build the rapport we need to win trust and set everyone up for success? Last week's episode was about step two in the process, which is understand their problem. It's all about asking questions, listening, and digging deep to uncover the problems that your customer has. Today, we're going to talk with one of my good friends, Robert Schnell, about step three in the sales process, which is advise a solution. Now, again, this language is really intentional. In the same way that we chose for step two to understand a customer rather than qualify them or have a discovery phase, we want to understand their problem. This language is intentional that now that I understand the problem, I want to advise a solution. Now, that's different than presenting a product or giving a sales pitch because I can't advise you unless I understand. Think about going to a financial advisor that's trying to advise you on how to manage your money, but they don't know how much you make or what your debt is or what you've already invested so far. They're just prescribing their quote unquote solutions without any understanding of your situation. It won't work. And this is the same way. I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation because Robert is not from our industry at all. But he's also in a business that deals with a lot of the same things that we do. And I think that he gives an amazing perspective from the outside on how our solutions have to be specific to the customer's problem. If the solutions that we're offering are not directly tied to the problems your customer has, they don't make any sense. And we're going to spend some time on why that is specifically. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation. And afterwards, I'm going to share some more specifics of things that have helped me have a lot of success in advising customers solutions that makes them want to do business with you. So that said, we'll circle back at the end to talk about it. In the meantime, enjoy this conversation. Joining me from Anchorage, Alaska is Robert Schnell, who is the principal and owner of Arctic Sales Incorporated. What's up, Robert? How you doing, man? Hey, Tim. It's good to be here. Well, Robert, I'm excited to have you on the show, and I think that you're going to bring a ton of insight to this conversation. But before we get started with this, I got to say, you are not from the fireplace industry, are you? Nope. Not even close. (laughs) Not even close. So what is it that you specifically do? So my company is independently contracted to represent different lighting manufacturers. So if I'm understanding you right, you work like me in a complex industry that has a lot of insider language. Is that fair? Absolutely. (laughs) Now, Robert, we first connected just over a year ago when we actually met in an elevator heading up to the (laughs) StoryBrand workshop in Seattle. And I mean, that was so awesome getting to know you then, but that was a really fun couple of days, wasn't it? That was unbelievable. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's funny because it's just like they advertise. They say, "Hey, just meeting the people that you surround yourself with is worth the price of admission," and that alone is is 
worth going to that workshop and we happen to sit next to each other too i know that actually that's totally crazy I think they placed us next to each other i didn't sit next to you the our our like nameplates were right next to each other yeah i i think that i think that there's a higher power work in there yeah <laughs> well robert the reason that i wanted to have you on today is because we're talking about step three in our sales process which is advise a solution and the idea being that once you understand what a customer's problem is and it comes time to actually talk about your product, everything that you talk about needs to be a solution to their problem. Otherwise, it's just white noise. And I want to talk to you about how have you found that to be true in your line of work? Understanding what the decision-making level is and their problem dictates which solution I provide. So for example, if I am called in to do a presentation for, um, let's say, a, a C-suite, uh, you know, the CEO, the CFO is looking at a design for their hospital. And from a high level, they might be looking at what is the cost of a system? What is the cost of the solution? So really what I've learned a lot is if I just walk in and say, hey, I'm going to do a lighting presentation, which I've done before. If I don't know who my audience is, then I don't really know what I'm, what solution I'm providing. So I could just be sitting there talking engineering level speak to someone who's literally just doing the install and wiring. So you're talking a completely different language. You're just completely confusing everyone. And ultimately, like I said, white noise, you just, everyone just stares at you and will just be respectful of your time. So you're saying that different customers that you present to are going to have different problems. And so depending on what that customer and their problem is, that's actually going to change the solution that you present. That's right. So absolutely. you talked about how you meet with engineers and you meet with architects and contractors, like all these different people. So you know, what would be some of the problems that an engineer has that might be different than a contractor? The engineer can have multiple problems. Time is probably the number one problem, whether it is their billable hours that they're allocated to a project, meaning they might have, you know, five, 10, 15 hours allocated to a certain section of this project or design. So, so if I'm understanding you, the, the engineer's problem is I don't have time so, so, so your solution can be, I can save you time to help you make the right spec. That's yep. their solution? Yep. I can, I can save you time on your design. <laughs> so when you're doing that, you're probably there's probably a lot of things you could talk about that don't have to do with, I can save you time and get you the right spec, where maybe a contractor or someone else with a different set of problems might need that information, right? Yeah. The engineer is not doing the installation. So if I tell the engineer, and this includes a labor warranty, and it's a 10-year warranty, and their responsibility might just be for providing a basis of design. Hey, here is a blueprint for a space and we have been paid to provide you a design. They may not even have the full contract to do the startup services or commissioning to review that the project's been installed correctly. They might just be providing a basis for design. So if I'm telling them about the installation time savers and the warranty, if I'm talking to the contractor, he doesn't care about the design. He cares that he has been, he's bid it, he's bid a certain job and he's been awarded a certain dollar amount to install a, a project and hopefully not get callbacks. He doesn't want to go back two or three times on his limited bill of flowers, right? If okay. He's been, right? So if he's been paid, you know, $15,000 or $20,000 to do a project and it, he has to drive 200 miles two or three different times to troubleshoot something that you provided him, then he's losing money. So when you're talking to the contractor, it sounds like the contractor's 
cares way more about the installation and the warranty. So, so you might talk way more about, hey, these are the easiest to install. Your guys are not going to have to make any second trips because they're going to get it done right the first time. And if something goes wrong, the warranty is amazing. It's getting taken care of for you with no hassle, which exactly. is a lot different than the engineer. But you could have told that stuff to the engineer, but you, but you didn't. Exactly. I, I would be handing him bowling balls or wasting his time when I could be talking about maybe something something cool. This could save you time on your next design, or this could really impress your customer because their customer might be the architect, it might be the owner or the occupant of the space. Well, and I, I want to go back to one thing you said earlier that I thought was really key. You talked about how I can't just go and give a lighting presentation blind to a group without yep. really understanding who they are and what their problem is. And I think that we make the mistake so often, I'm speaking in our industry here, of giving the same presentation to every customer. And, mm-hmm. and you can't do that, that, that you got to understand their problem, which is what last week's episode is all about. And once you understand that problem, your presentation of your products actually needs to be customized to be framing it in a way that leads to their solutions. Otherwise, you sound just like everybody else. And I think that mm-hmm. you talking about how you just can't give a canned presentation is, is really key. Absolutely. I actually hate giving PowerPoint presentations. And I also, what drives me nuts is when I'm called to go meet with a customer. Uh, sometimes I'll get calls from different distributors or contractors. And, and the information I will get is, hey, are you free tomorrow at 10 o'clock? And I will say, usually, yes, I will make the time to be there. And but they'll say, okay, cool, I got a project. And you go, okay, who are we seeing? What is the application? And they go, I don't know. I just, um, I have a customer who called me and I'm going to call you. So I walk in blind and I don't know what the application is. I don't know what the budget is. And even kind of like you talked about what stage of the process the person or the decision maker is in. They might just be exploring to see, hey, is this a $5,000 solution or problem? Or is this a $50,000 solution. Well, one thing that I found to be the case is that, you know, we understand that presentations should be different to different people. You know, maybe you'll, you'd present different to a 60-year-old man versus a 35-year-old woman. If you find out that, you know, in our industry, maybe their last house burned down, in theory, you should be presenting different features than an engineer who's looking for the highest energy efficiency. And that's like sales 101. We, we get that. But even though we get it, it's so easy to default to just facts and figures when we're in the live sales presentation. What's the best way that you found to keep the customer's solutions top of mind when you're in the moment? I really try to ask a couple questions when I meet with someone, um, particularly if there's if, I, if it's someone that I'm not familiar with. But I'll try to gauge their experience level in the industry or the market that they're in. Um, a lot of times, you know, if someone's just new, they just want to. They just want to learn about just the basics. There's a lot of different angles you can approach it from. But you know, if, if someone's been, if is the owner of a, an engineering firm, they've been doing it for 35 years, you don't want to walk into them and tell them you know more about lighting than they do. Or, hey, let me teach, I have something to teach you. That's going to really rub people the wrong way. And, and come, you come across as abrasive. And especially me, right? I'm, I'm 30. When I started about eight years ago, I was fresh out of college, you know, 22 years old, 23 when you walk into a contractor's office, and they've been doing this for you know 30 years, you, you really don't have a lot of experience to show. So usually you say, hey, this is what I'm learning. This is what interests me. This is some of the solutions I've had. And then when the kind of as you build that, that resume and the experience level, you can kind of, you know, as we talked about, like position yourself as the guide, you really say, hey, this is what I'm learning. This is what's worked for other people. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, that makes sense. And it reminds me of a Zig Ziglar story. And I, I think I told the story last season in the podcast, but Zig tells a story about buying a car and he, he calls it the sales shotgun. And he talks about how when the salesperson asked him a bunch of questions up front, Zig gave answers about why he wanted the new car, about how he wanted windows that rolled up and down. He wanted automatic locks. He wanted leather seats. And that the salesperson was really good about storing all of that information. When, when it came time to present the new car to Zig, the salesperson only talked about the things that Zig had mentioned. So the salesperson didn't talk about, hey, it's got a V6 engine in it. Instead, he talked about, hey, you mentioned that you really needed leather seats. Well, let me tell you, this has the best leather seats. You know, And then later on, hey, you mentioned that you really wanted those automatic locks, and this is going to have those. The idea being that he only gave solutions to Zig's specific problems as opposed to filling his head with facts and figures. And I think that a lot of this comes down to preparation. And I know that, you know, you're someone for me that's like in my inner circle of people that like I'm calling a lot for like help with preparation on things. And I, I would say that, that we've actually helped prepare for a lot of sales conversations together thinking about, okay, who is this customer? What is their problem? And, and hasn't that informed the solutions that we're going to give them? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just a few months ago, what month and a half two two and a half months ago, um, you know, you kind of helped me wireframe a conversation for essentially an interview that we had done um, with our company to sign on a new contract for a major manufacturer that would put us into a new market for us, but would also potentially expand the um, our company. It could it could double the size of our revenue in some ways. It could really um, diversify our market. And that's a big deal because that's a level of negotiation I've never gone through. And to interview for that, you know, we, we put a, a brand script together and basically saying, hey, here's some of the problems that they have. One of their, uh, essentially their number one sales guy who was their agent, uh, went to go on a different company that was their non- number one competitor. So huge problem is the guy that you've been training for the last eight years is now your number one competitor. So I think that with this, it, it's really, it's a superpower and not many people use it. So like in this situation that you had, they had a lot of problems, but the, but the big, the heart of the, of the issue, the reason that they came to you was that they had representation. Now that representation had flipped to their biggest competitor. And, you know, one of the pitches that you could have made could have been, well, hey, we're in the Alaska market. We can get you in with all these different, you know, I don't know, engineers that spec this stuff. And, and that's great. But but that actually wasn't the heart of their problem wasn't we need to get in with more engineers. The heart of their problem was we are we don't have representation. And so you threw everything into we will represent you the right way. We're going to make this a win win. We will stick by you. And that was the solution to their problem where if they had a different problem, it it, it might have gotten a different answer and a different sales presentation from you. Is that fair? That's exactly right. And, um, you know, another part of it, too, was, hey, as Yes, on, on a business side, you look at it as, hey, this is more revenue for a company, which can help us grow, which is exciting. But I'm thinking about what would also align with our agency 5, 10, 15 years from now, not just next quarter, not what's just going to get you know someone a bonus check at the end of the year or a quarter. So, and I know that after we brainstormed this and you went into that conversation with those solutions that you guys knocked it out of the park and you you won that business and won the account. And it, and it really is a superpower when you when you speak with solutions to specific problems that your customers have. They, I mean, they want to do business with you. And I, I've had the same thing happen. So I haven't talked about this much on the podcast, but you know, for a couple of years now, I've been working behind the scenes on a, a product for our industry that is basically made to address the problems that dealers and that manufacturers have. And so as I've talked with different companies about it, as it's starting getting ready to come to market, 
what I've realized, I mean, it's sales 101, but I've realized that if they don't think they have a problem, then all the solutions in the world don't matter. But when they know they have a problem, the solutions that I talk about, they become like medicine. And the conversation goes really well because this actually helps them get past their problem that they know they have and get the results they've been missing out on. I think that there's something to that, isn't there? Absolutely. You know, it, it goes with empathy and authority, problem and solution. Those two are, are constantly running through my mind going hand in hand. If I'm not talking about someone's problem, then my solution is, is not a solution to any problem. And that sounds so elementary and so basic. Like you said, it's like in sales, it's what we live and breathe. But so many times we're just the market's just trying to coin you with a couple phrases and say, well, just just forward this email, hand them this flyer and say, hey, we're the best in the industry. We got the best pricing, the best lead times, the best quality, the best warranty, whatever. But you haven't talked about any of the problems, you know, like you and I have talked about, you've taught me in the fireplaces, like, hey, you're putting fire in your home intentionally. <laughs> you know, it's That's like, right. when you put it, when you said it to me that first time when we met, I was like, I have never thought about that. That, that's a problem, right? If I don't have that in my house, I, at the time I didn't have a fireplace in my house. Now I do. And it, it's just funny because if I was looking at doing a construction project or some kind of remodel, I don't know that's a problem. Hey, you might be structurally modifying your walls. That's a problem. Um, <laughs> so is that compatible? Do you have the whatever the ventilation or the, I don't know what the fireplaces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have all these things that you, haven't considered. So I think about that in the lighting world. And um, even in when we sold our house recently, where my wife and I moved and, you know, I, I literally had a problem where my my water tank went out and uh, went through the walls a little bit. My flooring got soaked. So I had to rip up the tile and I had to call a plumber and I had to get the, the water heater replaced. I had to call I, you know, I've never done this. I'm not a hands on guy. So I called a plumber and you know, the, the, I'm just like, Hey, I have a serious problem. I'm standing in water. And, and the guy's just like, Oh, Hey, uh, we could maybe schedule you out there for tomorrow. It's just this completely different, you know, my, mindset. And you, as the customer, when you're trying to put yourself in the role of the sales guy, who's on the other line, he clearly wasn't listening. There's clearly no empathy to my problem that I had. And he's like, Oh, I'll just schedule you for the next next availability and we'll see what we can gather. And he clearly wasn't listening to the fact that I was standing in water and that I was a little bit stressed and trying to understand, Hey, how do I get you to come over and help me with this problem? And I think the truth is like, if it's not a solution to the customer's problem, you got to keep it in your mouth. Like don't say it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, there's tons of times where I have something prepared or I have something in, uh, engineers don't care about warranty sometimes. And, uh, you know, labor and install, they might care about one aspect of their problem, which is I have one hour of billable time for this design problem. Can you help minimize my time to maximize the solution I'm being provided? And there's tons of things that I don't talk about for different solutions because it's not a problem for people. Well, that goes right into where I wanted to head next. And this is drilling down a little bit deeper. And since we were talking about story brand and the story brand connection, I want to talk about bowling balls when you're talking to a customer. And I'll, I'll riff on this for just a sec. So Donald Miller is famous for saying that every time you give a consumer a piece of new information, you're handing them a bowling ball. And you think about like, you know, how many bowling balls could you or I hold at any one time? Like two, you know, maybe three, and honestly, like not any more than that. So his premise is basically when you're talking to a customer, you can pick at the most three new pieces of information that you're going to give them and you got to choose wisely. And our, our default is to, is to give them everything, all the features, all the benefits. But going back to what you just mentioned is that if their problem is very specific, 
I've only got three bowling balls at the most before they tune me out, get confused, and go talk to somebody else. What have you found to be so true in thinking about the bowling ball analogy with your customers? I really, really, really try to focus on what is one or two points that I can make right now. And that's really only come to mind in the last three to six months because when you walk into a situation, like you said, it's really easy to inundate them with, here's a hundred reasons why we're the best. It's really second nature. And I think it's a, a temptation to walk in and say, because I want to prove myself. I want to show that I, I'm respectable and I want to earn your business and your trust, which counterintuitively means I'm going to talk about myself. But if I walk in, I say, well, here's your actual problem. Here's what I'm hearing from you. Here are solutions to that problem. I still can't go very deep into a discussion about the technical features outside of a one or two point problem solution, you know, that framework of handing them those bowling balls. But you really have to leave them with one thing because they have to circle back and and then think about that a, a week later, a month later, because if I gave them 15, 20 different things to think about and then my competitor walks in and, and gives them here's one solution and that one solution is call me or that one solution or two solutions is you email me here's your price or here's your package based on everything that you just told me, business is lost. Yeah, it is. And I think that our, our default, I'm, I'm going back to the fireplace world here, our default is when we're giving a sales presentation, we, again, it's, it's just that we're giving a presentation. Hey, well, this is the fireplace and it's got 30,000 BTUs an hour. It's got direct vent technology. It's got this great IPI ignition system. It's got five different decorative fronts. It's got this mesh on it that used to be really thick and heavy. Now it's a micro mesh. Your kids are just going to love it and it's super, super safe because we, we're presenting the product. But step three in the sales process is not present it's advise a solution so like mm-hmm. i can't advise you number one unless i understand you but number two is i'm not presenting a product i am giving you a solution and those are two entirely different things aren't they they absolutely are and it's hilarious that you just named all those things because that means nothing to me i'm not <laughs> in the fireplace world but i am i might be in the market for a fireplace um and i know you have had this conversation offline in the past but it's like when you go through and you list those things I don't know what a BTU is and I don't know how to scale that to a room the size of my room because I've um, I bought a, I've bought small space heaters for my office before and you see 500 BTUs or 200 B, and I don't know what any of those things mean I was like uh, does this fit a 10 by 10 office this, yeah. this is going to heat my space and um, you've lost me and oh, okay. The, it, I'm, I'm so glad you said, is this going to heat my space? I want to drill down on this. Uh-huh. So like, so Matt, I'm just, let's just take this scenario. So you and your wife, let's say that you're, you're going into a fireplace store. So your problem that you just asked, is this going to heat my space? So like, which, which is more clear to you when someone's like, well, this has 30,000 BTUs an hour and I, you know, everything that I just said, or when they say, Hey, Robert, I understand that you've got, you know, a, whatever, a 2,000 square foot house and it's it's on a couple levels here. Now, you mentioned that upstairs gets real cold in these Alaskan winters that you have and you want something that's going to keep your room, you know, about 70 degrees. We've got the perfect solution here. This fireplace I've actually got in my own house, very similar situation. It's going to take amazing care of you. Like, which one of those makes more sense? Sold. You, you solved my problem and you address a couple things of this is what... I'm using in my home. So you show that you have experience in using the product or the solution. And you've also just explained, you heard it's a multi-level house. It's a two-story house. One size is one side is, is warmer than the other. You've actually listened to me. And then you've said, this addresses those specific problems because my current problem downstairs is on fire. It's 80 degrees downstairs and my upstairs is, is freezing. <laughs> so and literally the only, like the only thing I said all that I told you is we can make your house warm. That's literally the only bowling ball I just handed you. Yeah. 
because you we, you already knew everything about your house. I just repeated back to you about your house, but then I confirmed with authority, like we can make you warm. And that simple message, we can make you warm. If your problem is, is this going to heat my house? Is way more powerful than thirty thousand BTUs IPI ignition systems direct. It's like I forget who said this, but it's the difference between a flashlight and a laser beam. I mean, like. This will make your house warm is a laser beam. Get re- you know, forget the flashlight. All that stuff just it confuses it. It dilutes what you're doing. Keep it on point and focused, and people are going to buy from you. Absolutely, you've given me peace of mind and confidence in a way that makes me think. Well, if I if I go through you, if I have you solve my problem, I I don't even want to look elsewhere. There's really nothing else to look into. So as I'm as I'm thinking about this, I think that it's worth brainstorming solutions for different customer types to at least get you in the right ballpark. So like every engineer is going to be different, but generally speaking, you know, an engineer's problems are probably going to be similar to another engineer's problems. Yes. And and I know that for me, you know, you've been really helpful for me over the last, I mean, honestly, over the last year or so, as I've been meeting for this product I've been developing with the presidents of some of the big manufacturers in our industry, you've helped me think about, well, who are they? What are their problems? And based on their problems, choose what solutions we talk about because again you know if 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 i've got a product sure it's got a ton of solutions but i can only pick one or two of those bowling balls that i'm going to give to them and i think that it's worth doing that brainstorming session i know it's helped me tremendously and and even though it's a lot of work there's a lot of fruit in brainstorming the different problems of your customers to get your sales team ready isn't there that's uh, 100% correct even if you have the opportunity to meet with the customer directly the owner who is hiring the engineer or the owner who is hiring the contractor. Again, you're talking about different sides of the same same coin there, but you could be really just presenting something that doesn't even doesn't even line up, right? If I'm going to tell someone about the quality of of light in their space, like there's a term called CRI, the color color rendering index. If I start telling you that, "Hey, this light has a 90 CRI," that doesn't mean anything to you. But if I could tell you that the, the patients in your in your hospital could feel more comfortable under certain light conditions based on these studies, or this is the direction of you know the industry is heading towards, and this is why you might kind of start unpacking some things that that could deliver some interest. Yeah, that's really good. Well, in summary, I want to ask you this: you know, salespeople miss this all the time because they make it all about themselves, right? I mean, it's easy to talk about us, especially when we get nervous. It's just what we default to. What's something really practical that a salesperson can start doing tomorrow that can help them actually start to advise solutions to their customers rather than just present a product or just make a sales pitch? I really try to think about if I was in the person's shoes. So I think if I was sitting on that same presentation that I've probably heard a similar presentation from maybe two, three, or four different manufacturers. Essentially, what is different about the solution that you are providing? How would I want to receive that information? So I kind of try to reverse engineer the essentially what I would expect to deliver based on what they're actually trying to gain from that conversation or that presentation. Because who you're talking to is going to have and dictate a different solution. I think you're exactly right. And we use this example... Oh, I guess it was last week when I was talking to Deb Hannig that like, you know, if you if you go to the doctor and you say, hey, you know, my ankle's hurting really bad and, and I need some help. And the doctor goes, 
Well, I did my undergrad at Johns Hopkins University, and I actually I, I majored in uh, psychological care, and then I minored in general practice, and I graduated in 1984 with honors, and after that, I went and did my residency. Like, that, that didn't, like, that's great, but that actually doesn't address, I'm here because my ankle hurts, you know, whereas if they, if they say, you know, Tim... I've helped a lot of people with ankle injuries. If you can do these three things right here, your ankle is going to feel a lot better. Why don't you take these next steps and we'll get you taken care of? You know, one of those solves my problem and one of them doesn't. I'm obviously using like a hyperbolic example. <laughs> exactly. You've distanced yourself from the solution. You've uh, talked a lot about yourself and I'm not even sure you've listened to anything that I've presented you. So I Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And as always, I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. Now, I hope you've been enjoying these episodes. It's been really fun to do this for me and kind of build each one on top of the last. So today's episode is going to be on step three of our sales process, which is advise a solution. But before we get there, I want to recap just a little bit to where we've been. Step one of our sales process two episodes ago was greeting. How do we greet a customer to build the rapport we need to win trust and set everyone up for success? Last week's episode was about step two in the process, which is understand their problem. It's all about asking questions, listening, and digging deep to uncover the problems that your customer has. Today, we're going to talk with one of my good friends, Robert Schnell, about step three in the sales process, which is advise a solution. Now, again, this language is really intentional. In the same way that we chose for step two to understand a customer rather than qualify them or have a discovery phase, we want to understand their problem. This language is intentional that now that I understand the problem, I want to advise a solution. Now, that's different than presenting a product or giving a sales pitch because I can't advise you unless I understand. Think about going to a financial advisor that's trying to advise you on how to manage your money, but they don't know how much you make or what your debt is or what you've already invested so far. They're just prescribing their quote unquote solutions without any understanding of your situation. It won't work. And this is the same way. I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation because Robert is not from our industry at all. But he's also in a business that deals with a lot of the same things that we do. And I think that he gives an amazing perspective from the outside on how our solutions have to be specific to the customer's problem. If the solutions that we're offering are not directly tied to the problems your customer has, they don't make any sense. And we're going to spend some time on why that is specifically. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation. And afterwards, I'm going to share some more specifics of things that have helped me have a lot of success in advising customers solutions that makes them want to do business with you. So that said, we'll circle back at the end to talk about it. In the meantime, enjoy this conversation. Joining me from Anchorage, Alaska is Robert Schnell, who is the principal and owner of Arctic Sales Incorporated. What's up, Robert? How you doing, man? Hey, Sam. It's good to be here. 
Well, Robert, I'm excited to have you on the show, and I think that you're going to bring a ton of insight to this conversation. But before we get started with this, I got to say, you are not from the fireplace industry, are you? Nope, not even close. (laughs) Not even close. So what is it that you specifically do? So my company is independently contracted to represent different lighting manufacturers. So if I'm understanding you right, you work like me in a complex industry that has a lot of insider language. Is that fair? Absolutely. (laughs) Now, Robert, we first connected just over a year ago when we actually met in an elevator heading up to the (laughs) StoryBrand workshop in Seattle. And I mean, that was so awesome getting to know you then, but that was a really fun couple days, wasn't it? That was unbelievable. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's funny because it's just like they advertise. They say, "Hey, just meeting the people that you surround yourself with is worth the price of admission," and that alone is is <laughs> worth going to that workshop. And we happen to sit next to each other too. I know that actually that's totally crazy. I think they placed us next to each other. I didn't sit next to you. The our our like nameplates were right next to each other. Yeah, I I think that I think that there's a higher power work in there. Yeah. Well, Robert, the reason that I wanted to have you on today is because we're talking about step three in our sales process, which is advise a solution. And the idea being that once you understand what a customer's problem is and it comes time to actually talk about your product, everything that you talk about needs to be a solution to their problem. Otherwise, it's just white noise. Now, I want to talk to you about how have you found that to be true in your line of work? Understanding what the decision-making level is and their problem dictates which solution I provide. So for example, if I am called in to do a presentation for, um, let's say a a C-suite, you know, the CEO, the CFO is looking at a design for their hospital. And from a high level, they might be looking at what is the cost of a system? What is the cost of the solution? So really what I've learned a lot is if I just walk in and say, hey, I'm going to do a lighting presentation, which I've done before, if I don't know who my audience is, then I don't really know what I'm, what solution I'm providing. So I could just be sitting there talking engineering level speak to someone who's literally just doing the install and wiring. So you're talking a completely different language. You're just completely confusing everyone. And ultimately, like I said, white noise, you just, everyone just stares at you and will just be respectful of your time. So you're saying that different customers that you present to are going to have different problems. And so depending on what that customer and their problem is, that's actually going to change the solution that you present. That's right. So absolutely. you talked about how you meet with engineers and you meet with architects and contractors, like all these different people. So, you know, what would be some of the problems that an engineer has that might be different than a contractor? The engineer can have multiple problems. Time is probably the number one problem, whether it is their billable hours that they're allocated to a project, meaning they might have, you know, five, 10, 15 hours allocated to a certain section of this project or design. So, so if I'm understanding you, the, the engineer's problem is I don't have time. So, so, so your solution can be, I can save you time to help you make the right spec. That's yep. their solution. Yep. I and can, I can save you time on your design. <laughs> so when you're doing that, you're probably, there's probably a lot of things you could talk about that don't have to do with, I can save you time and get you the right spec where maybe a contractor or someone else with a different set of problems might need that information, right? Yeah, the engineer is not doing the installation. So if I tell the engineer, and this includes a labor warranty, and it's a 10-year warranty, and their responsibility might just be for providing a basis of design. Hey, here is a blueprint for a space, and we have been paid to provide you a design. They may not even have the full contract to do 
the startup services are commissioning to review that the project's been installed correctly, they might just be providing a basis for design. So if I'm telling them about the installation time savers and the warranty, if I'm talking to the contractor, he doesn't care about the design. He cares that he has been, he's bid it, he's bid a certain job and he's been awarded a certain dollar amount to install a project and hopefully not get callbacks. He doesn't want to go back two or three times on his limited bill of hours, right? If okay. He's been, right? So if he's been paid, you know, $15,000 or $20,000 to do a project and it he has to drive 200 miles two or three different times to troubleshoot something that you provided him, then he's losing money. So when you're talking to the contractor, it sounds like the contractor cares way more about the installation and the warranty. So, so you might talk way more about, hey, these are the easiest to install. Your guys are not going to have to make any second trips because they're going to get it done right the first time. And if something goes wrong, the warranty is amazing. It's getting taken care of for you with no hassle, which exactly. is a lot different than the engineer. But you could have told that stuff to the engineer, but you, but you didn't. Exactly. I, I would be handing him bowling balls or wasting his time when I could be talking about maybe something something cool. This could save you time on your next design or this could really impress your customer because their customer might be the architect. It might be the owner or the occupant of the space. Well, and I, I want to go back to one thing you said earlier that I thought was really key. You talked about how I can't just go and give a lighting presentation blind to a group without yep. really understanding who they are and what their problem is. And I think that we make the mistake so often, I'm speaking in our industry here, of giving the same presentation to every customer. And, mm-hmm. and you can't do that, that, that you got to understand their problem, which is what last week's episode is all about. And once you understand that problem, your presentation of your products actually needs to be customized to be framing it in a way that leads to their solutions. Otherwise, you sound just like everybody else. And I think that mm-hmm. you talking about how you just can't give a canned presentation is, is really key. Absolutely. I actually hate giving PowerPoint presentations. And I also, what drives me nuts is when I'm called to go meet with a customer. Uh, sometimes I'll get calls from different distributors or contractors. And, and the information I will get is, hey, are you free tomorrow at 10 o'clock? And I will say, usually, yes, I will make the time to be there. And but they'll say, okay, cool. I got a project. And you go, okay, who are we seeing? What is the application? And they go, I don't know. I just, um, I have a customer who called me and I'm going to call you. So I walk in blind and I don't know what the application is. I don't know what the budget is. And even kind of like you talked about what stage of the process, the person or the decision makers in, they might just be exploring to see, Hey, is this a $5,000 solution or problem? Or is this a $50,000 solution. Well, one thing that I found to be the case is that, you know, we understand that presentations should be different to different people. You know, maybe you'll, you'd present different to a 60-year-old man versus a 35-year-old woman. If you find out that, you know, in our industry, maybe their last house burned down, in theory, you should be presenting different features than an engineer who's looking for the highest energy efficiency. And that's like sales 101. We, we get that. But even though we get it, it's so easy to default to just facts and figures when we're in the live sales presentation. What's the best way that you found to keep the customer's solutions top of mind when you're in the moment? I really try to ask a couple questions when I meet with someone, um, particularly if there's if, I, if it's someone that I'm not familiar with. But I'll try to gauge their experience level in the industry or the market that they're in. Um, a lot of times, you know, if someone's just new, they just want to. They just want to learn about 
just the basics. There's a lot of different angles you can approach it from. But you know, if, if someone's been, if is the owner of a, an engineering firm, they've been doing it for 35 years, you don't want to walk into them and tell them you know more about lighting than they do. Or, hey, let me teach, I have something to teach you. That's going to really rub people the wrong way. And, and come, you come across as abrasive. And especially me, right? I'm, I'm 30. When I started about eight years ago, I was fresh out of college, you know, 22 years old, 23 when you walk into a contractor's office, and they've been doing this for you know 30 years, you, you really don't have a lot of experience to show. So usually you say, hey, this is what I'm learning. This is what interests me. This is some of the solutions I've had. And then when the kind of as you build that, that resume and the experience level, you can kind of, you know, as we talked about, like position yourself as the guide, you really say, hey, this is what I'm learning. This is what's worked for other people. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. And it reminds me of a Zig Ziglar story. And I, I think I told this story last season in the podcast, but Zig tells a story about buying a car and he, he calls it the sales shotgun. And he talks about how when the salesperson asked him a bunch of questions up front, Zig gave answers about why he wanted the new car, about how he wanted windows that rolled up and down. He wanted automatic locks. He wanted leather seats. And that the salesperson was really good about storing all of that information. When, when it came time to present the new car to Zig, the salesperson only talked about the things that Zig had mentioned. So the salesperson didn't talk about, hey, it's got a V6 engine in it. Instead, he talked about, hey, you mentioned that you really needed leather seats. Well, let me tell you, this has the best leather seats, you know, and then later on, hey, you mentioned that you really wanted those automatic locks and this is going to have those the idea being that he only gave solutions to zig's specific problems as opposed to filling his head with facts and figures and i think that a lot of this comes down to preparation and i know that you know you're someone for me that's like in my inner circle of people that like i'm calling a lot for like help with preparation on things and i i would say that, that we've actually helped prepare for a lot of sales conversations together thinking about okay who is this customer what is their problem and, and hasn't that informed the solutions that we're going to give them Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just a few months ago, what month and a half two 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 and a half months ago, um, you know, you kind of helped me wireframe a conversation for essentially an interview that we had done um, with our company to sign on a new contract for a major manufacturer that would put us into a new market for us, but would also potentially expand the um, our company. It could, it could double the size of our revenue in some ways. It could really um, diversify our market. And that's a big deal because that's a level of negotiation I've never gone through. And to interview for that, you know, we, we put a, a brand script together and basically saying, hey, here's some of the problems that they have. One of their, uh, essentially their number one sales guy who was their agent, uh, went to go on a different company that was their non- number one competitor. So huge problem is the guy that you've been training for the last eight years is now your number one competitor. So I think that with this, it, it's really, it's a superpower and not many people use it. So like in this situation that you had, they had a lot of problems, but the, but the big, the heart of the, of the issue, the reason that they came to you was that they had representation. Now that representation had flipped to their biggest competitor. And, you know, one of the pitches that you could have made could have been, well, hey, we're in the Alaska market. We can get you in with all these different, you know, I don't know, engineers that spec this stuff. And, and that's great. But but that actually wasn't the heart of their problem wasn't we need to get in with more engineers. The heart of their problem was we are we don't have representation. And so you threw everything into we will represent you the right way. We're going to make this a win win. We will stick by you. And that was the solution to their problem where if they had a different problem, it, it, it might have gotten a different answer and a different sales presentation from you. Is that fair? That's exactly right. And, um, you know, another part of it, too, was, hey, we're. As 
yes, on, on a business side, you look at it as, hey, this is more revenue for a company, which can help us grow, which is exciting. But I'm thinking about what would also align with our agency 5, 10, 15 years from now, not just next quarter, not what's just going to get you know someone a bonus check at the end of the year or a quarter. So, and I know that after we brainstormed this and you went into that conversation with those solutions that you guys knocked it out of the park and you you won that business and won the account. And it really is a superpower when you when you speak with solutions to specific problems that your customers have. They, I mean, they want to do business with you. And I've had the same thing happen. So I haven't talked about this much in the podcast, but you know, for a couple of years now, I've been working behind the scenes on a, a product for our industry that is basically made to address the problems that dealers and that manufacturers have. And so as I've talked with different companies about it, is it starting getting ready to come to market? What I've realized, is, I mean, it's sales 101, but I've realized that if they don't think they have a problem, then all the solutions in the world don't matter. But when they know they have a problem, the solutions that I talk about, they become like medicine. And the conversation goes really well because this actually helps them get past their problem that they know they have and get the results that they've been missing out on. I think that there's something to that, isn't there? Absolutely. You know, it, it goes with empathy and authority, problem and solution. Those two are, are constantly running through my mind going hand in hand. If I'm not talking about someone's problem, then my solution is is not a solution to any problem. And that sounds so elementary and so basic like you said it's like in sales it's what we live and breathe but so many times we're just the market's just trying to coin you with a couple phrases and say well just just forward this email hand them this flyer and say hey we're the best in the industry we got the best pricing the best lead times the best quality the best warranty whatever but you haven't talked about any of the problems you know like you and i've talked about you've taught me in the fireplace is like hey, you're putting fire in your home intentionally <laughs> you know it's That's like right. when you put it when you said it to me that first time when we met i was like I have never thought about that. that. That's a problem, right? If I don't have that in my house, I, at the time I didn't have a fireplace in my house. Now I do. And it's just funny because if I was looking at doing a construction project or some kind of remodel, I don't know that's a problem. Hey, you might be structurally modifying your walls. That's a problem. Um, <laughs> so is that compatible? Do you have the whatever the ventilation or the, I don't know what the fireplace is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have all these things that you, haven't considered. So I think about that in the lighting world. And um, even in when we sold our house recently, where my wife and I moved and, you know, I, I literally had a problem where my my water tank went out and uh, it went through the walls a little bit, my flooring got soaked. So I had to rip up the tile and I had to call a plumber and I had to get the, the water heater replaced. I had to call I, you know, I've never done this. I'm not a hands on guy. So I call a plumber. And you know, the, the I'm just like, hey, I have a serious problem. I'm standing on water, and and the guy's just like, oh, hey, uh, we could maybe schedule you out there for tomorrow. It's just this completely different, you know, my, mindset. And you, as the customer, when you're trying to put yourself in the role of the sales guy who's on the other line, he clearly wasn't listening. There's clearly no empathy to my problem that I had, and he's like, oh, I'll just schedule you for the next next availability and we'll see what we can gather. And he clearly wasn't listening to the fact that I was standing in water and that I was a little bit stressed and trying to understand, Hey, how do I get you to come over and help me with this problem? And I think the truth is like, if it's not a solution to the customer's problem, you got to keep it in your mouth. Like don't say it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, there's tons of times where I have something prepared or I have something in, uh, engineers don't care about warranty sometimes. And, uh, you know, labor and install, they might care about one aspect of their problem, which is I have one hour of billable time for this design problem. Can you help minimize my time to maximize the solution I'm being provided? 
And there's tons of things that I don't talk about for different solutions because it's not a problem for people. Well, that goes right into where I wanted to head next. And this is drilling down a little bit deeper. And since we're talking about story brand and the story brand connection, I want to talk about bowling balls when you're talking to a customer. And I'll, I'll riff on this for just a sec. So Donald Miller is famous for saying that every time you give a consumer a piece of new information, you're handing them a bowling ball. And you think about like, you know, how many bowling balls could you or I hold at any one time, like two, you know, maybe three, and honestly, like not any more than that. So his premise is basically when you're talking to a customer, you can pick at the most three new pieces of information that you're going to give them and you got to choose wisely. And our, our default is to, is to give them everything, all the features, all the benefits. But going back to what you just mentioned is that if their problem is very specific, I've only got three bowling balls at the most before they tune me out, get confused and go talk to somebody else. What have you found to be so true in thinking about the bowling ball analogy with your customers? I really, really, really try to focus on what is one or two points that I can make right now. And that's really only come to mind in the last three to six months. Because when you walk into a situation, like you said, it's really easy to inundate them with, here's a hundred reasons why we're the best. It's really second nature. And I think it's a the temptation is to walk in and say, because I want to prove myself. I want to show that I, I'm respectable and I want to earn your business and your trust, which counterintuitively means I'm going to talk about myself. But if I walk in, I say, well, here's your actual problem. Here's what I'm hearing from you. Here are solutions to that problem. I still can't go very deep into a discussion about the technical features outside of a one or two point problem solution, you know, that framework of handing them those bowling balls. But you really have to leave them with one thing because they have to circle back and, and then think about that a, a week later, a month later. Because if I gave them 15, 20 different things to think about, and then my competitor walks in and, and gives them, here's one solution. And that one solution is call me or that one solution or two solutions is you email me, here's your price or here's your package based on everything that you just told me. Business is lost. Yeah, it is. And I think that our, our default, I'm, I'm going back to the fireplace world here. Our default is when we're giving a sales presentation, we, again, it's, it's just that we're giving a presentation. Hey, well, this is the fireplace and it's got 30,000 BTUs an hour. It's got direct vent technology. It's got this great IPI ignition system. It's got five different decorative fronts. It's got this mesh on it that used to be really thick and heavy. Now it's a micro mesh. Your kids are just going to love it and it's super, super safe because we, we're presenting the product. But step three in the sales process is not present. It's advise a solution. So like, mm -hmm. I can't advise you, number one, unless I understand you. But number two is I'm not presenting a product. I am giving you a solution. And those are two entirely different things, aren't they? They absolutely are. And it's hilarious that you just named all those things because that means nothing to me. I'm not <laughs> in the fireplace world, but I, am, I might be in the market for fireplace. Um, and I know you and I've had this conversation offline in the past, but it's like when you go through and you list those things, I don't know what a BTU is and I don't know how to scale that to a room the size of my room. Cause I've, um, I've bought, a, I've bought small space heaters for my office before and you see 500 BTUs or 200. B and I don't know what any of those things mean. I was like, uh, does this fit a 10 by 10 office? Does, yeah. This is going to heat my space. And, um, you've lost me. And oh, okay. It, it, I'm, I'm so glad you said, is this going to heat my space? I want to drill down on this. Uh -huh. So like, so Matt, I'm just, let's just take this scenario. So you and your wife, let's say that you're, you're going into a fireplace store so your problem that you just asked, is this going to heat my space? So like, which, which is more clear to you when someone's like, well, this has 30,000 BTUs an hour and I, you know, everything that I just said, or when they say, Hey, Robert, I understand that you've got, you know, a, whatever, a 2000 square foot house and it's, it's on a couple levels here. Now you mentioned that 
upstairs gets real cold in these Alaskan winters that you have, and you want something that's going to keep your room, you know, about 70 degrees, we've got the perfect solution here. This fireplace I've actually got in my own house, very similar situation. It's going to take amazing care of you. Like which one of those makes more sense? Sold. You, you solve my problem and you address a couple things of this is what I'm using in my home. So you show that you have experience in using the product or the solution. And you've also just explained, you heard it's a multi-level house. It's a two-story house. One size is, one side is, is warmer than the other. You've actually listened to me and then you've said, this addresses those specific problems because my current problem downstairs is on fire. It's 80 degrees downstairs and my upstairs is, is freezing. <laughs> so, and literally the only, like the only thing I said, all that I told you is we can make your house warm. That's literally the only bowling ball I just handed you. Yeah. Cause you, we, you already knew everything about your house. I just repeated back to you about your house, but then I confirmed with authority, like we can make you warm. And that simple message we can make you warm if your problem is, is this going to heat my house, is way more powerful than 30,000 BTUs, IPI ignition systems, direct It's like, I forget who said this, but it's the difference between a flashlight and a laser beam. I mean, like, this will make your house warm is a laser beam. Get re- you know, Forget the flashlight. All that stuff just, it confuses it. It dilutes what you're doing. Keep it on point and focused, and people are going to buy from you. Absolutely. You've given me peace of mind and confidence in a way that makes me think, well, if I if I go through you, if I have you solve my problem, I, I don't even want to look elsewhere. There's really nothing else to look into. So as I'm, as I'm thinking about this, I think that it's worth brainstorming solutions for different customer types to at least get you in the right ballpark. So like every engineer is going to be different, but generally speaking, you know, an engineer's problems are probably going to be similar to another engineer's problems. Yes. And, and I know that for me, you know, you've been really helpful for me over the last, I mean, honestly, over the last year or so, as I've been meeting for this product I've been developing with the presidents of some of the big manufacturers in our industry, you've helped me think about, well, who are they? What are their problems? And based on their problems, choose what solutions we talk about. Because again, you know, if, if, if I've got a product, sure, it's got a ton of solutions, but I can only pick one or two of those bowling balls that I'm going to give to them. And I think that it's worth doing that brainstorming session. I know it's helped me tremendously. And, and even though it's a lot of work, there's a lot of fruit in brainstorming the different problems of your customers to get your sales team ready, isn't there? That's hundred uh, percent correct. Even if you have the opportunity to meet with the customer directly, the owner who is hiring the engineer or the owner who is hiring the contractor. Again, you're talking about different sides of the same, same coin there, but you could be really just presenting something that doesn't even doesn't even line up, right? If I'm going to tell someone about the quality of of light in their space, like there's a term called CRI, the color color rendering index. If I start telling you that, hey, this light has a 90 CRI, that doesn't mean anything to you. But if I could tell you that the the patients in your in your hospital could feel more comfortable under certain light conditions based on these studies, or this is the direction of you know the industry is heading towards. And this is why you might kind of start unpacking some things that that could just deliver some interest. Yeah, that's really good. Well, in summary, I want to ask you this. You know, salespeople miss this all the time because they make it all about themselves, right? I mean, it's easy to talk about us, especially when we get nervous. It's just what we default to. What's something really practical that a salesperson can start doing tomorrow that can help them actually start to advise solutions to their customers rather than just present a product or just make a sales pitch? I really try to think about if I was in the person's shoes. So I think if I was sitting on that same presentation 
that I've probably heard a similar presentation from maybe two, three, or four different manufacturers. Essentially, what is different about the solution that you are providing? How would I want to receive that information? So I kind of try to reverse engineer the essentially what I would expect to deliver based on what they're actually trying to gain from that conversation or that presentation. Because who you're talking to is going to have and dictate a different solution. I think you're exactly right. And we use this example, oh, I guess it was last week when I was talking to Deb Hannig that like, you know, if you if you go to the doctor and you say, hey, you know, my ankle's hurting really bad and, and I need some help. And the doctor goes, well, I did my undergrad at Johns Hopkins University, and I actually I, I majored in uh, psychological care, and then I minored in general practice, and I graduated in 1984 with honors, and after that, I went and did my residency. Like that, that didn't like that's great, but that actually doesn't address. I'm here because my ankle hurts, you know. Whereas if they if they say, you know, Tim. I've helped a lot of people with ankle injuries. If you can do these three things right here, your ankle is going to feel a lot better. Why don't you take these next steps and we'll get you taken care of? You know, one of those solves my problem and one of them doesn't. I'm obviously using like a hyperbolic example. <laughs> exactly. You've distanced yourself from the solution. You've uh, talked a lot about yourself and I'm not even sure you've listened to anything that I've presented you. So yeah, <laughs> I, I really would think about that. I would think about really learning to, to listen and, and, and position yourself at, you know, we, we, we kind of repeat ourselves multiple times, position yourself as the guide, um, show empathy and authority. How are you engaging with what they are in, interacting with, right? So learn more about what their day-to-day looks like. What are they working on? What are their concerns? What are, who are they talking to? What decision level do they have? What authority do they have? I tend to think about things as, as if I was in that position in the other person's shoes, how would I, what would I be looking for? I like it. Reverse engineer to your customer situation and think about what would I want if I was in their position. Robert, that's awesome. I want to thank you, you know, for coming on the podcast today. It's been awesome. I, I've just loved the friendship that we've had and I'm just I'm laughing that we that we met in that elevator a year ago. It's crazy. But thank you for coming on board today. We're excited to have you here. Yeah, it's an honor. Thank you. I hope I brought some value to your platform. You sure did. Now, I hope you got as much value out of that as I did. I thought it was just amazing getting a chance to talk to Robert about some of the specifics that he deals with because it's so universal compared to our industry. And the whole point of the matter is that if your quote-unquote solutions don't resonate with the problems that the customer has, it doesn't matter what they are. They're not going to be compelled to do business with you. So as we round out here, there's a a few things that I'm thinking about. You know, when it comes to advising a solution for a customer, number one, it's just that idea that you can't advise unless you understand. This is so critical and it goes back to why last week is the most important part of the sales process and most people miss it because they're going so fast, they don't take the time to understand their customer. Now, once you've understood the customer's problem and they've given you information about it, this is when you use the sales shotgun. So you think about their specific situation, you think about what their problem is, and you fire the information that they've already given you at the problem. So this is when it's great to talk about, well, 
this fireplace is going to be amazing because you mentioned, and then you go on to talk about X, Y, or Z. Or if you heard about how the customer got left high and dry on a remodel and it put them in a really bad spot in the past, you can talk about how you do in-house installation work that's fully taken care of by your own employees. And this guarantees that they're not going to have to deal with subcontractors that they have to track down later on because something went wrong. Everything is handled in-house by one company. Now, again, these solutions may not be right for everybody, but if that was their specific problem, you advising these solutions is going to be like medicine for their problems. Now, another thing that we talked about is the Donald Miller analogy of bowling balls. And you really want to think about this, that you can only pick so many things to talk to a customer about. And we want to cram all this information down their throat. But I thought Robert was so insightful in saying, well, what are they going to remember a week from now, a week and a half from now? If you give them 15 things, the truth of the matter is that they're not going to remember it. It might sound counterintuitive, but... I found this to be true as I've gone around and started to speak. When I first started speaking, I was much more concerned about making sure that I gave every audience everything that I had. And very often, it was like blasting them with a fire hose. Over the last year or so, I've really tried to boil my presentations into no more than three points. And I'll say at the beginning, hey, if there's three things you're going to get out of today, number one is going to be this, number two is going to be this. Number three is going to be this, and I'll constantly try to reference those over and over and over and over because the truth of the matter is that we only have so much attention, and it's not that people are stupid, but when you give someone 15 things to hold on to and they're trying to juggle those bowling balls, it's almost impossible for them to make sense of it down the road. Another important thing when we're advising a solution is to think about what Lee Lefevre calls the curse of knowledge, and it's the idea that As a hearth expert, if we think about knowledge on a scale of 1 to 10, we're probably operating at a 9 or a 10. Well, your customer's just not there. They're probably at a 1 or a 2. Now, without spending intentional time thinking about the way that we offer solutions, we default to maybe a 6 or a 7 if we're trying to make it easy, but we're still way above the customer's head. I would encourage you to go back through the features and benefits that your products offer and spend intentional time thinking about how can I present this solution in a simpler way that is clear and direct to the problems that it solves for the customer. If you can do that, it's going to make you so powerful. And like we talked about, it's the difference between a flashlight and a laser beam. When you can be very clear and direct, speaking candidly, confidently and in simple terms, it is extremely powerful and customers are going to want to buy from you. So rounding everything out, I think the heart behind today is understanding you got to speak at their level. You have to tie your solutions to their problems directly. And it really helps to also talk about the result. How have other people seen success doing this same thing? What's an example of a testimonial or a review from someone who is in their same situation that you can point to as some authority for yourself to say, you know what, I understand how hard it is to be in this situation. That's exactly how this other customer was, and I would love to tell you about their experience. These are things that are going to make your solutions powerful, and it's the simple things like this that will move the needle. Lastly, when it comes to advising a solution, keep in mind that if your customer doesn't have that problem, all the solutions in the world don't matter. This is another Zig Ziglar story where he talks about there's a bear that's up in the trees 
and people call 911 and they get the fire department there and everyone's trying to get this bear out of the tree and the bear won't move. And so they end up sending these people up a ladder. They got SWAT teams. They got the National Guard, helicopters, everything. They finally get someone up the tree to where the bear is just to find out that it's a black trash bag. Zig Ziglar says, don't make the mistake of thinking every customer is a bear where you get the National Guard, the Army, the ladders, the helicopters all involved just to discover it was only a trash bag the entire time. I think that's really important to think about with your customers, and that's why understanding the problem is so important. But you got to remember, if they don't have that problem, your solution isn't going to make a difference to them. So I hope that this episode was insightful for you. I loved getting the chance to dive deep on this, and I'm excited for next week when we talk about step four in the sales process, which is make a plan. If these episodes have been a blessing for you, I hope that you're going to share it with someone in your company who can use it, because if you repeat these steps over and over and over again with regular practice, I'm telling you, you are going to be dangerous on that sales floor. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. The music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time.